right, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk, chapter 1. Josh made you turn to Philemon, so I just wanted to one-up him and try to find something harder. And so the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, Old Testament, towards the end of the Old Testament. Um, I was thinking about on the way here, for the children's rally, we've been working on the books of the, the, books of the Bible, the books of the Old Testament this year at flip-flops every other year, the Old and New Testament, of which one we practice. And they do teams. We uh, have a, There's a set of cards with every book of the Bible on a card, and the kids have to put them in order as fast as they can. And I was thinking, that would be pretty fun to do in the adult service, see, see who can do it the fastest, or if, or if we can do it. Um, hopefully we can do it. Um, and so that's been, a, that's been a fun game. I think I have my game for next year's harvest party already. And so, if you found it, we're in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse number 2. And uh, it's not Haggai, but Habakkuk. <laughs> All right, Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse number 2. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start reading. You can keep turning, though, if you're still looking for it. All right, Habakkuk, chapter 1. Verse number two, the Bible says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth, com doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I just thank you that the earth songs were able to come this morning, and I thank you for their, uh, their music and for the messages this morning. Lord I, Lord, I pray for our pastor that you'll give him uh, safe travels home and that you'll give his family safe travels home uh, tonight and or tomorrow and uh, Lord I just pray for your hand on the service tonight Lord that it'll go forth clearly and that'll be a help to someone here and Lord I pray if there's anyone here that has not accepted you as their personal savior that they will accept that free gift tonight and uh, in your son Jesus Christ's name amen all right you can be seated all right, so Habakkuk is one of those books that we don't, we don't turn to often. He lived at the same time, Habakkuk the prophet, the man, lived at the same time as Nahum, Zephaniah, and Jeremiah, which places him between and in the reign of King Josiah and the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah. Assyria was off the scene, and Babylon was the nation in power. Nebuchadnezzar had defeated Egypt around 605 BC and was about to attack Judah. He would just eventually, after this, destroy Jerusalem and the temple, and the nation would be sent into exile. This little book indicates that Habakkuk knew the Old Testament well and also had great faith in God. The name Habakkuk means to embrace or to wrestle, which he does both in this book. He wrestles with God concerning 
uh, concerning the problem of how a holy God could use this wicked nation of Babylon to punish, to punish the Israelites. And then he embraces God and his promises later in the book. His statement, the just shall live by faith, later in uh, chapter 2, verse number 4, is quoted three times in the New Testament. And each time it's quoted in the New Testament, a different word in that phrase is emphasized. In Romans 1.17, the Bible says, For therein is righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In Romans, the emphasis is on the just. In Galatians 3, verse 11, the Bible says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. For, for it is evident, for ju the just shall live by faith. In Galatians, the emphasis is on to live. And then later in Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Hebrews being a book of faith, and being especially in chapter 10, just before Hebrews 11, where the Bible names all of these faithful individuals from the Old Testament. So it takes three books to really explain just this one verse back in the book of, in the book of Habakkuk. And tonight, I want to look at three parts of this book as we just kind of do a flyover. It's not going to be an in-depth study of this book, but it's going to be more of a flyover tonight of the book of Habakkuk. And so the first part of this book I want to look at tonight is the prophet worrying. The prophet worrying. And I believe we saw that in our opening text. Christians who claim to be without problems are either not telling you the whole truth or they're somehow not living in a reality. And we're living, we're living in a world that's full, that's full of problems. And there's always, we're always facing some, some new difficulty. And sometimes, like Job's uncomfortable comforters, we can kind of give somebody, give somebody a, a cliche and this kind of shallow optimism instead of pointing them directly to God and have, so that they can have the peace of God. We never, we will often skip over the parts where we hear David and Jesus ask in Psalm 22, 1 and Matthew 27, 46, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because that's a really, a very real feeling that the Christian can have. You know, Habakkuk wasn't a shallow believer. He surveyed the land of Judah and he saw the wickedness and that they were turning away from God. He found himself struggling with some serious problems, but instead of turning away from God as so many do, he did the right thing and looked to God and, on, and to his promises. He took his problems to the Lord. Well, what was his problems? Well, let's look back at the text we, we started with in Habakkuk 1 verse 2. The first feeling that he had here, his first problem, is that he felt that God was indifferent toward him and to his people. In Habakkuk 1 verse 2, it says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save? Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and, they, and there are that rise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth not go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment 
proceedeth. Being a perceptive man, Habakkuk knew the kingdom of Judah was rapidly deteriorating, and ever since the death of King Josiah, the religious reforms had been forgotten. And his son and successor, Jehoiakim, had been leading the nation closer and closer to disaster through their worship of their persistent worship of idols. And so if we want to see what, what God thought of Jehoiakim, uh, if you would like to turn there, I'm going to read in Jeremiah 22:13, but we'll be coming back to Habakkuk. So if you turn, go ahead and keep your finger there. But Jeremiah 22:13, um, the Bible gives us a kind of an insight into what God thought of King Jehoiakim. In Jeremiah 22:13, the Bible says, "Woe unto him that buildeth his house by unrighteousness and his chambers by wrong." that uses his neighbor's service without wages and giveth him not for his work. And then skip down to verse number 17 of Jeremiah 22. The Bible says, But thine eyes and thine heart are not but for thy covetousness and for to shed innocent blood and for oppression and for violence to do it. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, They, they shall not lament for him, saying, all, all my brother, all my sister, they shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, Lord, or ah, his glory. He shall be buried with the burial of an ass, drawn and cast forth beyond the gates of Jerusalem. So, I'm putting up, we can, you can see here this laid out, that God is not pleased with Jehoiakim. He was a wicked king. Habakkuk prayed that God would do something here about the violence and about the strife and the injustice in, in his land, in Judah. In verse 2, the word translated cry simply means to call for help. But the second word here is to, to scream or to cry with a loud voice. And he had a disturbed heart. He prayed about the wickedness in the land, and he became more and more burdened. And worried that God seemed indifferent to what to what he was praying. If you'll turn back with me to Habakkuk chapter 1, Habakkuk chapter 1, and verse number 5, the Bible says, Behold, you're among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which you shall not believe, though it be told you. So God answered him that he would do a work among the nations, even though Habakkuk wasn't going to be able, wouldn't see it. God gave him a revelation <clears throat> and not an explanation. When we pray, we so often want an explanation for why God is choosing to do something, why things are a certain way. We want to know why. We live in an age of, of free-flowing information. We can look up anything online and have an answer to most questions in, in seconds. But answers that we ask God, God doesn't always give us an immediate answer right away. And, uh, and today we hate that, and back then, they didn't like that either. And so, God doesn't owe us explanations. But he does graciously reveal himself, and he has graciously revealed who he is in his word. He, Habakkuk learned that God was not indifferent to the sins of the people of Judah. God did care about these sins that they were committing. The Lord was planning to chasten Judah by allowing the Babylonians to, to capture them and to take them into exile. But this wasn't the answer that Habakkuk was expecting from God. He wasn't expecting to hear this. He was hoping 
for revival. He wasn't hoping that they would be taken captive. You see, he was hoping God would judge the evil leaders and establish righteousness in the land, and the nation would escape punishment and be spared. However, God warned the people time and time again, this was not a new thing. By this point in the timeline of the, of the Old Testament, they had been warned over and over about their idol worship, and we'd, they'd been gone through the period of the judges where they would stray away from God and then come back to God when God would, when God would punish them. And God, at this, to this point, God had had enough of their, of their idolatry and of their sin. And, and God is ultimately a God of justice and had to punish this sin. And that's where this captivity starts. Instead of repenting, these people hardened their heart and turned to help from the other, other gods, little g, of these nations around them instead of the true God that they were supposed to be worshiping. They had tried God's long-suffering long enough, and it was time that God acted. So God is indifferent is, the, is his first worry of Habakkuk here. The second worry is that God was inconsistent. You see, as far as Habakkuk was concerned, God's first answer hadn't been an answer at all. In fact, God had given him this revelation that he was going to judge, uh, judge the nation, and this just added a new problem, this inconsistency. How could a holy God a good God use a wicked nation to punish sin. Turn with me to uh, verse number 12 of Habakkuk chapter 1. Verse number 12. We'll see the Bible says, Art thou from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue, when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? So, God lays out what's going to happen, this judgment. And we admire Habakkuk here for really writing, honestly, what, what he was feeling and experiencing during this time. And we want to emanate his openness in in how he prays to God. He prayed to God honestly. He wasn't putting on airs like the Pharisees did. He was praying to God honestly what was what was in his heart. We want to also remember what Paul wrote to the believers in Rome in Romans uh, 1 uh, or Romans 11:33 the Bible says, "Oh the depth of the riches of both wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out." Verse 33 34. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For to him, for of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. So we, we have this prophet worrying. But he feels that, that God is indifferent, and he feels that God is inconsistent. But he had a wrong view of who, of who God is. You see, God is not only a God of mercy and goodness, but he's also a God of justice, which is one of the hardest parts 
for, for me and I believe for, for many of us about the attributes of God, that he is a God of justice, that he can only, that he only has so long with his mercy. God only offers salvation for so, for so long until he has to bring justice because he's, he's a God of, of not only mercy, but justice. So first we have this, this worrying prophet. Secondly tonight, we have a prophet waiting. So we have a prophet worrying, and then we have a prophet waiting. Uh, if you'll turn over to chapter 2 of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, I will stand upon my watch, and I will set me open a tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me, and I, and I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, and he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it shall it will surely come, it will not tarry. So let's join Habakkuk here on his, on his watchtower and listen to what the Lord said to him when God spoke to his servant. He gave him three responsibilities to perform. And when he says he's on a, he's on a watch here, Think of a watchtower like at the, on the walls of Jerusalem. That's the picture he's putting forth here. This is an important job in ancient times. It wasn't like today where we have spy satellites to watch our enemies and we have a radar to see, to see things coming before they get here. They just had a guy on a tower watching. And if he wasn't doing his job, there were, bad, there were really big consequences for that. And so... Think of the guys in the, in the crow's nest on the Titanic. They, they didn't see the, the iceberg in time. The big consequences for that. So being on the watchtower, you have to be vigilant. And this is the picture he's putting out. He's waiting for an answer for God. He's on watch, waiting for an answer from God. And God gives him an answer. And so he's supposed to he's supposed to also warn the people of this coming destruction. So first, he's supposed to write, write God's vision, write God's vision, and make it, make it plain. Then he's supposed to trust God's word, is his second job. He's supposed to write God's vision, and he's supposed to trust God's word. Habakkuk 2.4 says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright, but the just shall live. By faith. In contrast here, there's a people of faith, and then there's the people that arrogantly trust themselves, and that's Babylon. The Babylonians here, they were people that really loved themselves. They were puffed up with pride, especially over their military victories. They had great achievements. They built an impressive empire, and they, had, and they were sure that they were invincible. And the words of Nebuchadnezzar express this perfectly in Daniel 4.30. The Bible says, The king spake and said, Is not this the great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power for the honor, for, and for the honor of my majesty? And so he's speaking of himself in this way. They were prideful and puffed up. And so this is in contrast to how how we ought to be. We ought to be trusting God and not, not be prideful in ourselves, but in the, in the work of God. Because you see, they trusted 
in in their in their military in their ability to defend themselves and to conquer other lands instead of trusting in God and ultimately if God is not on your side there's no walls high enough there's no military big enough to keep you safe from the Almighty God and so he was to his first job Habakkuk's first job was to write God's vision secondly he was to trust God's word then thirdly he was to declare God's judgment, to declare God's judgment. To the faithful Jews in the land, God would be a refuge of strength. But to the godless Babylonians that were invading the land, God would ultimately judge them as well as he was using them to judge Israel. God pronounces a woe upon five different sins that were prevalent in Babylon and are prevalent in the world today. The first sin here that God when it, that God pronounces woe on is that the sin of selfishness. Habakkuk 2.6 says, Shall not all these take up a parable against him and a taunting proverb against him and say, Woe to him that increases which is not his, how long? And to let that ladeth himself with thick clay. So the Babylonians were consumed with this selfish ambition. They'd stopped at nothing to expand and acquire land for their kingdom. They had hordes of stolen good, goods and they plundered helpless people. God warned them that the owners of their wealth would one day rise up and condemn them to the punishment for what they had done. Then the Babylonians would become victims of the people that they had once conquered. And this happened when the Medes and the Persians invaded Babylon and overthrew Belshazzar. And Babylon, um, who had plundered other nations, was eventually plundered. And so first, we have that sin of selfishness. Secondly, we have a sin of covetousness. Of covetousness. And this goes hand in hand with selfishness. Because if we believe we're entitled, if we're selfish we want things for ourselves ultimately we'll believe we deserve what others have in um chapter 2 verse number 9 of habakkuk the bible says woe to him that covetous and evil covetous covetousness to his house that he may set his nest on high that he may be delivered from the power of evil so the the babylonians took land that did not belong to them and it wasn't theirs to build an empire and it, it was that they built an empire that glorified themselves their goal was security it was like a the bible gives us this image here of a nest like an eagle's nest eagles build their nests up high where other where uh, other predators cannot cannot get to them and of course this is a false security because no no nation can keep can keep god out Notice the third, the third sin here, and that's the sin of the exploiters in verse number 12, verse number 12 of chapter 2. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood and established a city with iniquity. Babylon was a city built on bloodshed of innocent victims. It was built by prisoners of war and labor that was exploited to the fullest extent. Babylon was proud of what they had built. The city of Babylon was an architectural marvel and it was a, a huge project 
It was, and it's all gone today. If you want to see the city of Babylon, you've got to go to a museum and look at pictures. It's not there to look at. The next one, the fourth, the fourth sin that's pronounced woe on is the sin of the drunkards. The Bible says, Woe to him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth thy bottle to him, and maketh him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. You see, this is something that's super prevalent in the, in the world today. You know, I'd say it's just, it's, it's extra prevalent in Oregon, but I don't think that's necessarily true. In, in um, the, uh, <clears throat> the sin of drunkenness is all over, and it's expanded into all kinds of, uh, of other substances that have the same goal to be under the influence of some, of some substance. And so there's this sin of drunkenness that was prevalent then and prevalent in the world today. Then there's the last one, the sin of the idolaters. And sad to say, the people in Judah were guilty of this sin. Look in verse number 19 of chapter 2. The Bible says, Woe to him that saith to the wood, Awake, and the dumb stone arise, and it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there is no breadth in the midst of it. I'd say today, among certain crowds, there's still people in the world today that worship at statues, I don't think that that's a super common thing here in, in our culture, but I'd say we have a different idol we worship at, and that's the idol of self. We, uh, we love ourselves, and so often we'll put ourselves before, before God any day. There's so many things that we put before God. I, um, I don't know a lot of people that have a, a golden statue that they worship at, but there's a lot of people you meet a lot of people that really like to worship themselves and put themselves before God. And so, tonight we have the prophet worrying, the prophet waiting, and then thirdly, the, the prophet worshiping, the prophet worshiping. So when we started this book, Habakkuk was down in a valley. You see, he was almost... He's, He's very much, he's angry with God, wrestling with God, with the will of God, at the beginning of this book, in our opening text. He's having trouble with the will of God, putting together a just God with, a, with the goodness of God is, is difficult for us to do. And in our, with our, our, in our, in our, as, as finite humans, we can, only, we can only put that together so much. We have to trust God with the rest. Because God is, is his, as the Bible says in Romans, his ways are past finding out. We can't fully comprehend God. And so when Habakkuk started this book, he was down in this valley. And then he was at a watchtower waiting for God's reply. He waited for God's reply. And then after hearing God's word and seeing God's glory, he was, the Bible gives us an image later of a deer bounding confidently on the mountain heights. His circumstances had not changed at all. The judgment was still coming to Israel. Bad things were still going to happen. But now he was walking by faith instead of by sight. He was living with God's promises, but not explanations. God had not given him the explanations that he was demanding. But God gave him his promises and, and said, you, you need to trust me. So notice under the prophet worshiping, what was the first thing that he did? The first thing that he did is that he prays to God. Is that he prays to God when he worships. You know, today, 
in especially uh, in modern Christianity, people, when they think of worship, their mind just goes straight to a, to a worship service during the time of, of singing in the church. That's kind of the box that uh, a lot of people have put worship into. But worship, that's part of it, but there, it's so much more than that. So praying to God, that's part of worship. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verse number 1, if you'll turn over there with me, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Shigalith. Um, in verse number 2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of years. In the midst of years, make known, ra- in, make known in wrath, remember worth mercy. So the prophet was now praying to the Lord and not arguing with him in prayer. This chapter is known as a prayer psalm, and Habakkuk prayed because God, he got, wanted God's work to succeed. He prayed according to God's will, and he also prayed because he wanted God to show mercy to his people. You know, and that should be a prayer that we have. You know, we live, we live in a time, and at, at any time there's, there's, there's wickedness, and in our land, there's, there's wickedness. But we shouldn't be praying for God to bring judgment. We should be praying for God's mercy. We should be praying for more time to share the, share the gospel with them. And so he wanted, he prayed for God to show mercy to his people. So first he prays to God. That's his first part of his worship. The second part of his worship is that he ponders God's ways. He pondered God's ways. Look with me in verse number 13 of chapter 3. Habakkuk 3.13. The Bible says, Thou wentst forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thine anointed. Thou Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Thou didst strike through... With the staves, the head of villages, and came out as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was to devour the poor secretly. That is, walk through the sea with thine, with, with thine horses through the, through the heap of great waters. So he ponders God's ways. You know, today so often we can focus on the wickedness of, of, other, of other individuals of, and think about how, how wicked our, our world is. And there's I'm not going to argue with you. There's a lot. There's a lot of wickedness in our world. There's a, a lot. There's a lot we can focus on. But if we're constantly focusing on the wickedness of others, if we're constantly thinking about how how wicked uh, different individuals are, if we're focused on the news, thinking about you know like these these people that are uh, that are for abortion, they're so wicked. Vladimir Putin is so wicked. There's all of these people we can focus on and how wicked they are, but God doesn't say that's what we're supposed to spend our time on. We're supposed to be spending our time thinking about the goodness of God, thinking about who God is, and fill our mind with that and not with the wickedness of others. So part of the parts of worship here that Habakkuk, these, that are laid out before us, is that he prays to God first. He ponders God's ways. And thirdly, he praises God. 
he praises God. So we have a prophet that went from worrying to waiting to worshiping, and now he's praising God here. Verse number 16 of chapter 3. Verse number 16. When I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up into the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall no herd in the stalls. Shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon high places to the chief singer of my stringed instruments. So this is one of the greatest confessions of faith found in the Bible. Habakkuk was faced with a frightening fact that his nation was going to be invaded by a merciless enemy. And he knew that many people were going to go into exile and many were going to be slain by the invaders. They had a land that would be ruined. Jerusalem and the temple were ultimately going to be destroyed. Yet God tells him, yet he tells God here, he's going to trust God no matter what. And so tonight, as we wrap up, is your trust in God tonight? You know, you don't have to look very far tonight to see what it's like for a country to be invaded. If you turn on the news, you can see that happening right now. And that's what Habakkuk was facing. And he chose to put his faith in God rather than his putting his faith in something else. And you know, we're very lucky to be here in the United States, in a, in a place where we have a great military, we're in a great country. But is our faith in all of that? Is our faith in our military, in our technology, in everything that's got our country where it is today? Or is our faith in God, who is really the cause for why our country is where it is today, and is the cause for why we're saved and why we're on our way to heaven? Is our faith in him, or is our, is our faith in our situation? And also tonight, if you're here and you have not trusted Christ, your personal Savior, God is a God of mercy, and that's, and that's great. But God's mercy only lasts so long. You see, God, God is a God of mercy, but he's also a God of justice. God, God is a just God, and he demand, he, he, his very being demands, demands justice. If you have not accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you have not accepted his mercy. And you still land under God's justice. And God's justice demands that anything, anybody with sin, is on their way to an eternal hell. They do not have a home in heaven because heaven is completely perfect. It's a place completely without sin. And God offers that salvation freely. And all you have to do is accept it. And also, if we're here tonight, like Habakkuk did, Habakkuk had some bad news for his people, that they were going to be invaded, that bad things were coming their way. 
And you know, as Christians tonight, we have good news, but we also have bad news. There's coming a day of judgment. There's coming a day either at death or when Jesus returns that, that time's, time's going to be up. And we only have so much time to get the message of salvation out. We only have, the, the door is only open for so long. I was talking to Pastor just this week about, <clears throat> about the, the reasoners and thinking, you know, how great was that that they went to Russia while the door was open? Because it seems like the door's shutting. And so <clears throat> tonight, Let's remember it's important to get the gospel out while we can. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll close in a word of prayer and have an invitation. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord. Lord, I just pray that we'll just spend our time pondering who you are, Lord, that we'll, that we'll trust you. And Lord, that you'll, you'll be the object of our faith and not something else, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we'll Get the gospel message out while we still can. In your son Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, at this time, we're going to go ahead and sing.